On Monday, August 8th, Tall Can Audio hits 1,000 episodes. Wait, that's still on? Who could possibly still care? And the gang is all here to celebrate. It's euphoric. It's got to be close to Nirvana. It's outstanding. For the first time ever, Maddie, Michaela, Rob, and Matt are all live in studio together. It's happening, you guys! It's happening! Oh my god! Oh my god! I wish you all were here! Is this likely to go well? Just check my notes here. No! At least it will make a lot of noise. Boom. Here comes the boom. A thousand pods and a thousand pints. I don't think I've ever been as proud in my entire life. TCA 1000 drops Monday, August 8th, wherever you find low-quality podcasts. Fuck, it's out of control. Shit. And that's why we love Toronto Maple Leafs. This is Talk and Audio. We're not here to take part, we're here to take over. Nice to be back in the garden, eh? Woo! Hello and welcome to Tall Can Audio. I am Michaela. He is Matt. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all at Tall Can Audio. You can also, if you go back into the archives, also known as the previous episode, episode number 791, hear Arden's Welling get the Blue Jays season set up. Uh, pitchers and catchers reported to train to spring training this week, so everyone's getting excited for baseball season, so check out Arden's Welling on episode 791. Matt, how you doing? Doesn't look like spring. Doesn't feel like spring. Uh, Not at all. <laughs> Hear, hearing the word spring in any context right now is weird, but that's why I love when it's it's pitchers and catchers report and kind of the official unofficial start to spring training yeah. because it gets you excited for spring. No, it's uh, it's true. You're kind of sitting there February, March, maybe getting that last blast of winter and on your TV, there's baseball and you're like, all right, I can make it. We're just about there. <laughs> It was also aptly timed this year, if you live in Ottawa, because we were fresh off a 20-centimeter fall of snow, and I think we had a frostbite advisory mm-hmm. on the day that uh, spring training started. So, uh, yeah, very much a... Well, I think you know, another blast coming, right? So Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. That's what I. Uh, that's, that's what we need right now. <laughs> Otherwise, uh, things are good. How about yourself? Oh, you know. Yeah. Make, making my way through. <laughs> sure. I get that. It's, uh, it's you know pandemic every time I, I feel like when i ask people how you doing it's like hope you're well all things considered yes <laughs> right uh, like there was a meme the other day i saw that just said um every email i get uh says um you know hope you're well or hope this email finds you well because i'm sitting here in joggers covered in cheeto dust like i am not it does not find me well it does not find me well <laughs> at all at least it's it. Uh, I haven't heard the word unprecedented in a few months, so no, or a few true. weeks, probably. So yeah, that's there was good. some terms we were starting to beat to hell there for a while. The unprecedented Ugh. times was just enough. Yeah, no more of that. We need a we need a, a unprecedented jar every time you say it. You got to throw a dollar in the jar. <laughs> um, but you know, speaking of healthy coping mechanisms, mm-hmm. what are you drinking today? Well, I just finished actually. Um, a little sip on the uh, Nanaimo Bar whiskey from Forty Creek, which I think we've talked about on here before. A uh, little primer for the show as uh, I was getting ready. Uh, but the pint for the day, this comes from the Five Paddle Brewing Company. Uh, it'll Whitby, which uh, I've had an order from them, so I've got a few of theirs that I've been trying will continue to try. This is called the Fashion Krampus. No idea what that means. Um, but it is a an imperial... Gingerbread milk stout. Good lord. Yeah, again, lots happening here. I'm not really sure what to expect. I guess I'm expecting gingerbread and some sweetness. Uh, it's 8.5%. So, Ooh. yeah, it's got a little kick to it as well. So, we'll see what that's about. How about yours? Uh, you know what? I'm going with a bit of a yield faithful for me today. Uh, I, I dug into my beer fridge and I had it. I'm, I'm at that stage of, um, like I haven't bought in beer in a week or two. So I've got little bits left over yeah. from like the last couple deliveries or uh, brewery trips I've made. And uh, I pulled out a Ridge Rock today. I'm going with the APA, the American Pale Ale, nice. which That's is, oh, it's one of my f- absolute favorite beers. Like like an APA or an, any kind of IPA is is my go-to, but I like I really like a good APA that's not too too harsh, right? Um, you know, nice and light and refreshing, but still has that nice hoppy bitterness to it. And Red Rocks is one of the best. For um, 
it's, uh, you know, I've made no secret about it. It's one of my favorite breweries. So I thought today would be a, a, a comfort food beer, if you will. And, like uh, going for a drop. Is, is yours a, a Christmas beer? It seems very Christmassy. Yeah, honestly, um, it doesn't say that on here, but you know, everything about it would suggest that maybe this is leftover from, uh, before Christmas, but, um, it came, you know, it was still on the website last week when I placed the order. So, uh, you're right. It does seem very seasonal though. And I can tell you upon my first sip, it's it's everything they say it is it's got uh it's heavy on the gingerbread content like you get blasted with it right away um and so you know for better or worse i guess um i've always said if you're going to advertise that you have you know this flavor in your beer hit me with it right i don't want hints of it i want that to be what it is and Mm -hmm. this is a gingerbread beer for sure all right game is advertised (laughs) yeah exactly. (laughs) i do remember I know you were a big fan of this, but the five paddles, uh, beer that was in the advent calendar, which was, I believe the coconut cream pie. I, I, I got, it was not my thing. Mm -hmm. Um, but it was a lot better than I expected it to be because it was a lighter beer. I thought it was gonna be like a stout kind of thing. And it was a a lighter beer that was quite refreshing, but had a very strong, like they weren't kidding when they said coconut cream pie, there was no hint of it. It was like, you are biting into a coconut cream pie that (laughs) finishes off with a beer flavor. Um, Um, I ordered six of those with this because I knew I liked it from the calendar. Uh, they're gone. Um, that was the first (laughs) thing I drank. I like to save the new stuff. Like I bought a bunch of stuff to experiment, right? Just two or three of, of whatever to, to try on the shows, but I ordered six of those because I knew I liked them. Uh, I think I put down five of them in, in one afternoon slash evening. And then I don't know the, the other one it's gone to, but, uh, yeah, it's every bit as good as I remembered it to be. When I, I know we love to play this game of when the pandemic is over, um, <laughs> when the pandemic is over, is there a brewery in Ontario, not in the Ottawa area that you don't have access to right now? Like, is there a brewery on your list that you're like, Hey, when this is over, I am getting on a, I'm going on a road trip and I'm going to that brewery. The one that that would stand out to me would be the uh, Old Flame, and I also just did another order from there. That's in Port Perry. It's not far from where I grew up, but it's not far from where my parents live now. Um, and they've fixed up, I think it's like an old postal office, and it's kind of this old-fashioned wooden historic building that they've turned into their brewery, and they've got like this nice uh, tap room, and you can sit and hang out. It's a, it's a really cool spot. I, I like that a lot. And there's one called the Bosch Kong Brewing Company near Halliburton, um, which is where we've cottaged for a long time. And I've been meaning to get there for a very long time. And they have like a patio that I've seen on their Instagram and stuff that looks gorgeous right by the water. So that's been on my bucket list for a long time. It may be one of the first places I have to get to afterwards. You? Yeah, I, I stopped by Bosch Kung Brewing. Um, I did a, a brewery road trip uh, a couple of years ago. I came back, I was coming back from my uncle's cottage in North Bay. We mm. took the Muskoka way, like we drove down. Yeah. Huntsville basically and then uh, came through Halliburton on the way back mm-hmm. wildly inconvenient road trip but like <laughs> there was a lot of breweries on the way and uh, we stopped in Halliburton we stopped at uh, Bancroft Brewing Muskoka Brewery and and Boschkong was one of the ones okay. as well pretty pretty tasty beers we didn't stay I wish we had stayed on the patio they had like a lunch special with pizza or something it looked yep. delicious they advertise um, that a lot yeah yeah, yeah. We, we were on a, a bit of a time crunch so we had to we had to get going but uh, I would I would have wished I could have stayed there um, I mean, I'm probably making a, a trip to Toronto when, yeah. when this is all over. And I, there's so many breweries there that I absolutely love going to, uh, Great Lakes being one of them. I know you can get pretty much any Great Lakes beer in the LCBO, but usually at the brewery, they've got quite a few specialty ones or one seasonal ones that aren't in the LCBO right now. Yeah excuse me, um, that, that you can, uh, that you can get. And then it's just, it's one of my favorite breweries, but I think that the first one, the first brewery I'd have to hit up, like, like without question would be left field. Yeah. Um, I love going to their, their tap room. It's such a, you know, speaking of baseball season, it's a a great place to sit and watch a game. They've got every one of their beers I've ever had. I've absolutely loved. I like that they specialize in the small cans, Mm -hmm. um, big small can fan. Um, Exactly. And they've usually got such a good selection that like you want to sample, you right. want to have a little bit of everything. Right. And there's usually dogs there, which is, I'm also a big fan of. So okay. <laughs> probably going with, with left field brewery. Did when you ordered from old flame, do they deliver up here? Yeah. The, well, they'll do like the Canada post thing, right? Like a lot of them. Oh, will, okay. So, yeah. They'll go that oh, way. But, I, uh, but when my, you know, when my old man comes up to, to visit or drop stuff off or whatever, if, 
if anybody's coming, he'll usually swing down there, grab a case of, of some of my favorites out of there and, and bring some up with them. So that's cool too. So oh, nice. I should probably take advantage of the Ontario shipping to a, a, I don't do it a lot. Brewery. And part of it is no? it's become, um, I guess right now, you know, because of the pandemic, I guess they're not doing like beer to your door. You have to go to the, your closest Canada post which is fine. Like I, I understand why they're doing that, but it's just a little bit less convenient. So I'm just like, ah, there's enough breweries in the area that'll just bring it right to your door. So I've been doing that. It's kind of an extreme laziness thing, I guess. <laughs> it's such as the pandemic. We have new habits That's right. <laughs> developed during the pandemic. If I can get somebody to bring a beer to my door instead of to bring it across the road, I will choose door every time. <laughs> absolutely. I don't want to have to leave the house unless I absolutely have to. Exactly. Um, what, let's stick on the topic of baseball, uh, since we're there, it was kind of the unofficial official, like I said, start to spring training this week when, uh, pitchers and catchers reported to training camp, a uh, lot of excitement heading into this, uh, blue Jays season. Were you, I, I, I'm always curious about how people react to spring training. Cause some people are like, Oh my God, it's so early. Why are we talking about this? For me, I always get super amped because it just means that a baseball season is coming and b nicer nicer weather is coming. Yes. Where do you fall? I when it first happens, I'm like anxious for every piece of news. Uh, I want to see you know highlights of day two where some guy's just working out his new four seamer, but I want to see what it looks like, kind of like all that stuff. And then I get annoyed, and I, I I go on this tirade every year on on Twitter. I'll keep it to it, but just the fact that. Rogers owns Sportsnet and owns the team and yet for some reason we get like four spring training games televised and it's usually because it's on somebody else's network and they just pick up the feed that bugs me a lot because I'm like I'm ready to see this I don't care that it's only training camp I want to see it um, this year I'll give them a pass because I don't know how many people they're actually going to send down there given the circumstances mm-hmm. um, but that's normally my pattern is for a couple days. I'm like super excited. And then for like a month, I'm just like, yeah, great. Like be cool to actually see some of this, but you know, we can't. So that's sort of where I fall. I, I I'm excited to, to get it going. Yeah. And, and I think like, I don't know this, I say this every year about the Jays, but this season in particular, there's a lot of excitement yeah. with, with oh, all yeah. the free agent moves and the George Springer and Marcus Simeon. Like I, I think there's a lot of fans looking forward to seeing like how, how is this going to impact the lineup? There was a great article on TSN earlier this week where it talked about the additions of George Springer and, and Marcus Semien and just how many more options that gives the Jays. Like, like obviously Springer spent most of his career, I think, uh, hit, hitting as the leadoff guy. Mm-hmm. But you know now the Jays have, they have Springer, they have Simeon, and they have Bo Bichette, who they could all use as, as leadoff guys if they needed to, right. right? Like they've got a little bit of depth and options there. So I'm curious, I, I know we're months away from it and you know we've got to go through the split squad games <laughs> and the, all that stuff. I, I, I don't like to get too bogged down on lineup discussions, but just, just knowing the tools that this team has in their back pocket, I think it's going to be really exciting to see what they're able to do. Well, they're like seven deep, right? In terms of dangerous hitters, when you start looking at Bo and, and Biggio and Vladdy and Guriel and, and then you add Springer and Simeon, you're like, this is a deep, dangerous lineup. And and what's really going to be interesting is now that we found out uh, yesterday or on Wednesday um, that they are for sure going to play at least the first month of the season uh, in Dunedin. Um, this is something that uh, Arden brought up on the last show. The ball is going to fly out of there. Like big league hitters are going to eat that place for lunch. Um, especially kind of that center right field. It's it's short, right? There's things that are just going to fly in that dry air. Um, I, I'm anxious to see what this lineup can do in that ballpark. Yeah, absolutely. That that's a really great point. Um, I yeah, I don't know. I always go through this weird thing with baseball where you know the be- beginning of spring training happens. I'm like you. I want I want every bit of news, and then like you realize how long spring training yep. is. And how much things change. Then I'm like, okay, I'm good. And then I do the exact same thing with the regular season where, you know, opening day, opening weekend, the first couple of weeks, I'm like, yes, give me every bit of baseball. <laughs> and then you realize that there's like a game for, if you're a, like whatever team you cheer for, there's like a game every day. Yep. And it is so hard to keep up. And I, and I know that there's still questions about exactly what this season is going to look like timing wise yeah. and how condensed it's going to be. And if it's going to be condensed and all that stuff. So I'm, 
I'm trying to temper my um, excitement a little bit because I, I do this every year where I go on a bit of a roller coaster of like up and down throughout the season just because baseball is a lot. Yeah, no, to me, it's that's maybe one of my favorite things though is you know it's on. Like every day, yeah. pretty much it, it'll be there. And like I don't worry about, or worry is the wrong, but think about what I'm going to watch on TV or what I'm going to do tonight. Like even if I'm just cleaning up the house or doing laundry or editing one of these shows or whatever, the ball game will be on in the background like every night. It's I, I, I like that about it, right? But you're right. If you're going to sit for three or sometimes four now hours every night and watch start to finish, it is a lot, but I like that it can be there on the radio while you're doing things or driving or I, I do kind of like the companionship of it, I think. Yeah, that's true. It's it's a great background sport. Yep. It's like putting The Office on on Netflix. <laughs> no, like true. it's always on. When I was in school, I used to love uh, putting baseball on and then like doing homework because it was it would usually start around like exam time, right? Right. So I'd be studying, and I was one of those people who had to have the TV on, which is just great for concentration. <laughs> um, and and having baseball on is one of my favorite like background things. Like even on a Saturday afternoon, you're doing stuff around the house, well, like just throw a the game on, right on the couch. Or exactly. Yeah, so. That's what that's what you want your sport to be a nap, <laughs> <laughs> a napping sport that's true um but one thing about uh about the mlb that was obviously was pretty big news item this week one player in particular just mm-hmm. got a whole lot richer <laughs> san diego Padres star fernando tatis jr signed a 14 year 340 million dollar contract extension 14 years <laughs> 340 Four zero mm-hmm. million dollar contract extension. This guy is twenty two years old. Uh, I think my favorite stat: someone sat down, did the math, and uh, said that every one hundred and twenty five games, Fernando Tatis Jr. will make his father's career earnings. Um, oh my god! For people who don't know, Fernando Tatis did play in the majors. wasn't exactly a star, and certainly salaries were different. But yeah, more than once a year, he'll make his father's entire career earnings. So. Uh, I think the Tatis family will be doing all right for the next little while, but uh, maybe a little uncomfortable across the dining room table. Um, yeah, a little bit, a little bit. I, uh, 22 years old, man, that's a lot of bad decision uh, potential. <laughs> well, I could have made a lot of bad choices with that amount of money when oh, I was 22. Sure. <laughs> I've made a lot of bad decisions with far less. So. <laughs> exactly. Um, what do you, do you think of this? Because there's a lot of risk, quite frankly, on both sides but it's kind of collective risk that both are doing well for this i i think but there's a chance that you know this kills his motivation or he doesn't continue to evolve or you know gets hurt or something like that uh there's some risk there for the padres there's risk for him the way salaries are going up quite frankly and it sounds nuts to say as we talk about 14 years 340 million dollars he may have sold himself short you know, depending on what the next four arbitration years would have meant and then where salaries are. What was your takeaway when you first looked at this? I mean, I was floored. My yeah. jaw hit the floor when I read the the contract length and the amount. But the way, I don't know, it, it feels like both football, baseball, and, and basketball as well. Like every time there's a big contract like this, it's just a, a new precedent center yeah. setter for the next kind of wave of big contracts. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like every time there's an NFL contract, it's the biggest contract for X position in NFL history because it, they're just continuously making more and right. more every time a contract is signed. This felt like a gigantic leap, <laughs> but given the fact that like baseball is just such a wild sport in terms of how much money these players make. Yeah. I, I don't have the same context in my mind for as I do with hockey. Like I just I spend so much time on cap friendly that <laughs> I have a pretty good handle on like what is a lot for a player to make just yeah. naturally. With baseball, I feel like it it goes up so much every year that I as much as I was floored by this, I feel like we'll probably start to see contracts not that far off from this going forward. I think you're right. And most of this baseball is one of those sports there with the regional TV deals, like the overwhelming majority of their money is made off TV, like before tickets mm-hmm. at all. I do wonder, I saw one or two people saying, and I don't think I buy it, but I'd be curious to get your, your take that baseball might be about to go on a bit more of a down tick that, uh, you know, certainly there, it is true that the audience skews older. Um, 
and the games keep getting longer somehow, uh, despite their efforts to speed it up. Like four hours was not uncommon last year for the Blue Jays, and and even you know years before that, going to Fenway or Yankee Stadium, it always takes forever. Do you think there's a chance that, you know, as young people don't get into baseball, that maybe this contract looks bad the other way, that maybe it doesn't continue to escalate, or is this going to just keep going up, do you think? It's hard to say, just given the situation we're in right now, and that, yeah, the, baseball doesn't need to sell tickets to make money, mm-hmm. but, you know, they do sell 20 plus thousand tickets in, in yep. some cases uh, per stadium, depending on the size of the stadium. And once we are able to go back to, going to games, I feel like there's going to be a couple of years where people are just so happy to be able to go to sports. Right. Ticket, ticket sales are going to be through the roof. That's a good point. Um, so I, I don't, I, I agree with you that the, the, the general audience of baseball is getting older. I think it, eventually baseball, the MLB is going to have to make some kind of change with the length of their season. Yeah. Um, just, 162 games is just way too many. <laughs> and if you're trying to attract new fans, that's a big commitment. Mm-hmm. Um, I think eventually they'll have to cut down the seasons just to attract younger fans, which inevitably is going to mean less money, less revenue and contracts are going to go down. I think that's super long term in that. Like, I I think my kids would prop would maybe see that happen. Um, I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. I think what's going to happen in at least the short term, I feel like there, and I could be wrong, but I feel like there's going to be a bit of an upswing once we get out of this. Um, and then from there, who knows? Right. Because, yeah. you know, once we're going to be feeling the economic effects of, of this pandemic for years and what's that going to do to people's uh, uh, spending income, mm-hmm. uh, like disposable income. Right. And, and as much as people are going to want to go to games, and I think they are for a period of time, eventually. Yes. That's going to, you know, th- there are some people who may not be able to continue that. So I don't know. It's, it's in, I don't know where, where you fall on that do you do you think it's gonna go up or down i don't know i really don't i i do think they're gonna have a hard time continuing to sell this as the games get longer as you said with as many of them as there are and just the way attention spans run right now for you know younger and younger generations but there's just such a demand for it on tv that if those tv deals keep going up then it'll look fine and i i do think this will look fine um but I, it was an interesting argument someone else had put forward, and I, I thought I'd raise it here. The other thing, I guess, just to put into perspective um, on this deal, is I guess it's something like $34 million over the first four years, because in theory, um, he'd had arbitration, which was going to hold him down, right? He was going to keep his salary in check before he became an unrestricted free agent. And then the 10 years after that, it kind of averages out to being about... Uh, I think it was 300, if you do the math, $306 million over 10 years. So that's $36 million per year. And we've seen that neighborhood, right? Trout is in that neighborhood. Bryce Harper is in that neighborhood. Uh, they had to prove it a little longer. Um, he's only been in the bigs for like two years now. So the, I guess the, you know, the, the alarm of it or the, the reason it caught so many people off guard was how quick it happened and for how long, but when you start to do the context part of it, it, it sort of replicates the the arb years he was going to have anyway and then just assumes he was going to be worth the 36. And maybe in those four years, um, he would have been worth 40 and they're getting a deal. Or maybe he turns out he was only going to be worth 22 and they're kind of screwed a little bit. But that seems to be the logic they went with was like this... Uh, $36 million a year times 10 years and then the Arb years at the beginning. So I guess it kind of makes sense, but the number is just so big that it's hard to wrap your head around. <laughs> well, yeah, that's the thing. And and yeah, the, it's the length of the contract. I think that really just, I, I, I can't like the guy's going to be 36 yes. when it's done. He could still have baseball left yeah. in him at that point. Like this seems like a, okay, you know, walk off into the sunset kind of contract. And no, like he is he may still have a couple of years left no, in him. That's true. Yeah. A lot of these type <laughs> long deals take you to 39, 40, 41 years old. You're right. He he won't so, be yeah. like as far out of his prime. So it's an interesting deal for both sides. And it, and this is a, a I'm painting a problem that does not, a picture of a problem that does not exist yet. <laughs> but you have to wonder if, if Vladdy Guerrero Jr. Mm-hmm. turns out to be the superstar that we all expect him to. And I know that it has been a bit of a rocky road there so far. 
Yep. He's been a very good baseball player, but in just in terms of the expectations, has not lived up to it yet. But let's say he does. Let's say he figures it out and becomes a superstar in this league. What are the Jays going to have to pay him? Yeah. Um, that's interesting. He's going to have to start, as you pointed out, hitting it in the air like mm-hmm. some of these other guys do. Um, but if he does, I assume, I don't think he'll be this because he doesn't play one of the star positions, right? Like Tatis being at shortstop. Vladdy is not as good defensively, but you pay for the bat. And so I expect he'll be he'll be well up there, but they're going to make him prove it. He's going to have to go through these arb years. He's going to have to start to show it. I, I think there was talk when he first came up that they might do something like this to keep him in check, right? To keep that. But he just hasn't shown it enough yet that I I don't think either side would be comfortable locking into anything long-term. Um, like, I don't see how they could be close enough. Uh, Vladdy's going to say he's worth more than he's shown so far, and the Blue Jays aren't going to be willing to go there. So I don't think they can do it. He's going to have to go through these Arab years and, and whatever. What the number looks like by the time those years wrap up, I, you got to figure he's going to be in that 30 neighborhood, don't you? 30 per? Yeah, I, I, again, all things prov- you know, provided he he starts to perform. I think the yeah. way that we expect him to, and and I do wonder, you know, to what extent bringing in Springer and Semyon mm-hmm. adds some shelter to Vladdy, yep. right? All of sure. a sudden, the pressure is not on him. So how is he going to perform this year when it's not quite like I think all eyes are still going to be on him, but yeah. not to the same extent. We're going to be watching Springer. We want to see how this plays out. Yes. We're going to be watching Semyon, where he falls in the lineup. Bo Bichette, Cam Vigio, like the the expectations are a little more spread across the board for the Jays, and I think that that can only serve to help Vladdy. I think. Well, you mentioned a couple names there, and what does the Blue Jays payroll look like in five or six years if all these guys turn out and they have to keep them? You still have Springer. You're going to be paying Vladdy. Bo is not going to be cheap if he nope. turns out to be what he's capable. Nate Pearson may not be cheap if he turns out to be what he looks like he could be. You know, this this could become a very expensive team very quickly. Yeah, absolutely. And I and I I want to think that some of these additions of uh, in in free agency are shorter term, like the Semian deal, for example. I believe was a year, yep. bit of a prove it contract. Mm-hmm. Um, how much of those are to kind of cushion yes. the development of these younger players. And then, you know, see you later. Thanks for your service yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, focus on, on the younger players, but you're right. I mean, like even just looking at Bo Bichette, Kevin Biggio, Lourdes Goriel Jr. Vladdy, like they, if, if these players pan out to be what they're expected to be, mm-hmm. whew, Jay's going to have some checks to write. No doubt about that. Uh, like I said, I chose the wrong career. I should have gone into baseball. <laughs> Um, really miss my How's potential there. Yeah, yeah. Seriously, I can throw a ball. Um, <laughs> <laughs> one thing I like not to get sidetracked, but I am terrible at baseball. And the reason I'm terrible at baseball is because every time I step up to the plate, I hit the pitcher. What? Really? I hit the. I, I will. I will send the ball directly at <laughs> at the pitcher. I don't know how to arch. I guess and like actually hit it in the upward direction. It just goes straight. I'm gonna kill somebody. How do they find I anybody to pitch to you? <laughs> I don't know. It, like granted, the last person to pitch to me, I'm pretty sure was 14 years old, because um, that was the last time I stepped up to bat. Right. And I said, uh, I think her name was Danielle. I was yeah. like, Danielle, I need you to duck as soon as you throw that ball. And she did. And I, I kid you not, the ball literally sailed just above her head wow. as she ducked. Like if she didn't duck, I may have been uh, being sued for <laughs> some sort of damages. I hit a male pitcher in a questionable place um, <laughs> before that. And he didn't talk to me for months. <laughs> wow. So, so you're a line you drive ever, hitter, eh? but always yeah. right to the same spot, straight back just up the middle, directly down center field. Wow. Uh, if you ever had the opportunity to play baseball with me, don't No, I'm too tall. I'm not doing that. I, I yeah. get dinged for sure. Pass on that. Um, you know what? I'm ju- I'm just delaying and delaying mm. the inevitable here because we have a very important thing to talk about, mm. Matt. Um, th- th- this is a very important week for the Sens and the Leafs, and they they are playing well, a three Sens. game uh, stint against each other. Yeah. Uh, we saw. I, I just I can't remember what what happened on Monday night. I don't, think, my memory. I don't think they played. They didn't play. No, I don't think there was a game Monday. I, I, think. I thought, saw something historic you, happened. <laughs> it it would be like the Sens and Leafs to follow up a historic 
5-1 comeback, best comeback in Sens history mm-hmm. with an absolute snooze fest of a 2-1 win for Toronto on Wednesday night. No, it's true. Um, and again, Wednesday night hockey, right? I, I don't know if it matters or not, but that's Sportsnet's big, other than hockey night in Canada, you know, showcase night. And a few weeks ago, it was Leafs and Oilers and NBC actually picks it up and it's Matthews versus McDavid. And just a clunker of an ugly hockey game. Couldn't have been any more boring. Neither of them hardly do anything. Uh, This was very much the same. But you're right. On the heels of what was a fascinating Monday game, it it was, it looked like at first, maybe they had just come out saying both coaches were like, let's get this under control. Nobody needs to be given up five or six. But it turned out that wasn't the case. It was just a sloppy, not very good hockey game. I thought it was going to be the exact opposite. I thought it was going to be like the Toronto Maple Leafs were going to come out guns a blazing <laughs> to prevent what happened on Monday from happening ever again. And and I thought honestly, right I thought that. the Sens were going to be whooped. I was like, this is going to be bad. Yeah, this is going to be exactly how we thought the fi- how I thought the five one game was going to end. Right. Um. Uh, I have not done nearly enough rubbing in the face of Leaf fans <laughs> for that, by the way. But oh, my time will come. Um. And and it just ended up being. I think like after the first period, I was like, yeah. So like, did they start the game? Well, Nothing I happened. should say like, and I don't know how you want to do this. We can get into both if you want, but. I was more troubled, not more, I was every bit as troubled by the start of the second game as I was with the blown lead. Like, because very much like you said, it didn't come out guns. Yeah. Like you should have been more fired up. You should have had something to prove. You should have been, whether you get the results or not, right? Like whether you're able to actually blow the doors off Ottawa remains to be, but you should have been peppering them. You should have had tons of pressure. You should have been just skating like nobody's business. And none of that happened. And that was every bit as troubling, and maybe more so, to be honest with you, than what happened on the on the Monday night. I know um, there's people listening. I've received your tweets that were looking forward to this show, thinking I was going to just have a tirade of tirades and a meltdown and whatever about Monday. I just, it's an embarrassing loss. It's a bad loss. This team shouldn't be losing at all to Ottawa, let alone when you're up 5-1. But the sting of it, or well, was somewhat taken out of it by my um, embarrassment or whatever at at the Leaf fan base, at Leafs Twitter, and what I saw after the game. When I logged on, I expected to see our kind of normal, irrational Leafs loss Twitter, where there's finger pointing and people are upset. This was. I, I could have toasted marshmallows on my timeline with the comparisons to Boston 2013 and the, the David Ayers game. And the and I got to be honest with you, I just didn't see it that way. And, and if I was a Senators fan, I would absolutely have loved it. When you're the one who comes back and against the the big market team or the one that's always being rubbed in your face, right? The one that everyone complains is on TV too much and all these things, I had no beef with Sens fans going to town on this every you've every right to do it. Leaf fans uh, shit their pants and sat in it for like 36 hours. Like uh, it was embarrassing. What did you make of the William Nylander, some assembly <laughs> required headline? Hated Toronto's it, obviously. On the next day. <laughs> Steve Simmons and his, what the, the Ikea thing got to be honest with you. Little racist. I got to tell you. I, little bit. Yeah. Um, I mean, not overly surprising, not just given who it is. And listen, Steve Simmons has a shtick and it is to get clicks and he will do, you know, we've seen him do whatever it takes to do that. But just given the way that William Nylander is treated by that fan base. And like, I've talked about this before. I am very much a William Nylander supporter. Um, And, uh, you know, is he, does he have bad games? Absolutely. Has he been virtually invisible for a couple of games now? Absolutely. Does it mean he needs to be treated like that? No. no. No one deserves to be treated like that. That's why Phil Kessel left, left. where was run out of town. Like yep. you I still can't get over the fact that the Toronto Maple Leafs basically wasted an era of one of the best goal scorers in the league for a period of time, one of the best wrist shots in the league and 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 an absolute phenom for for the Leafs during that period in Phil Kessel. Yep. 
and that they completely wasted it because they treated him like crap because he didn't behave exactly how they thought a hockey player should. And now the exact same thing is happening with William Nylander. He's a fantastic hockey player who, in my opinion, is a GD steal with that $6.9 yes. million dollar contract for oh, what they you. get out of him. Yeah. That is that is a steal. I don't care what anybody says. It, is he going to have off nights? Sure, but he's not making as Steve Dangle puts it, no off night money. Right. He's making money that allows you to have off nights every now and then because he's going to make up for it with a three point performance the next day. And like 12 points, I believe in 14 games. So it's not like he's doing nothing. People don't like that. He's not all that physical, but he, he scored, uh, I believe led the league in even strength goals from that home plate area, like in tight, um, last year, he needs to get there more this year. There's no question about that. And like, fourth on the Leafs in in goals above replacement, like some of these advanced stats, and really high, I can't remember the exact rank, in takeaways. Like, he doesn't hit, he doesn't grind on them, but he does get back, he does lift a stick, he does take the puck away from guys coming through the neutral zone. He's a killer on zone entries. Like, he blows Marner out of the water. I think people prefer Marner, or think they prefer Marner on that, because Marner does it quicker, like he's a little bit faster skater, but he's far less successful at it than Willie is. There's warts in Willie's game, but he is a killer player and he just gets trounced. I, I don't get it. Um, and in that comeback on Monday night, in that collapse, he was responsible for exactly zero of the goals against. The one maybe, if you're completely insane, maybe you can blame him for not being in a good enough position on the, the Nick Paul shorthanded goal at the end of the second where Tavares gives it away, but that means Tavares should just eat it instead of lobbing it right to, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, he, it, he had nothing to do with that, and why they decided the next day to bury him is ridiculous. Um, and, and, and yet no one, or at least very few people, are talking about the fact that Morgan Riley just completely missed a wide-open oh Austin God. Matthews in overtime. There was a great tweet. I wish I could credit the person um, after the Tuesday game when Justin Hall passes it to Matthews for his that sweet goal, um, and you know that it the people were calling that the you know don't look Austin Matthews. Here's what happens if you do pass it to Austin Matthews if you don't look him off in those situations. Um, you know it it was embarrassing to me just how much people melted down and and again no excuses because it is a bad loss. Anytime this team loses to Ottawa, like I was annoyed, but then I became more annoyed at the fan base than the game itself. And, and like I said, I was every bit as concerned with the start to the next game as I was with the, the collapse. But I do understand from a Senator's perspective, th- you guys want this to be more, right? Like, of course, it's a beat down of your biggest rival or one of your biggest rivals, um, And it's a huge comeback, and Senators fans should have been stoked. I just couldn't believe Leaf fan reactions to it. And I'm in a unique situation, Screeds, where my Twitter feed is almost equal parts. Sends fans slash sends media and Leaf fans slash Leaf media, just because of where I live and what we do. And so I'm like looking at Leaf fans melting down. I'm like, oh you're going to eat that. And sure enough, like three minutes later, there's a Sens fan quote tweeting it and dunking on him. Like, yep, could see that coming, right? Like you're, you made this so much more enjoyable for Ottawa fans. Not only did Ottawa get to crush you, Ottawa also then got to watch you wail like a baby and, and just pee all over yourself and, and got to enjoy that part of it too. You should have just been like, all right. Cause I really don't think, unless this somehow, because it's still a first place in the league, not just the division uh, team, unless this somehow knocked the wheels off the Leafs and they go into a spiral, most Leaf fans won't remember this in a month. It's just another loss on a, or they don't need to. It's just another Monday night loss and you carry on and you do your thing as long as you continue or get back to playing well. But if we had done this to Montreal or to probably more likely Boston for us, you would remember it if you're the, sh- you know, if you're well, if you have the bad team, right? And you're. I spent my whole childhood hearing about the flu game nonstop. Right. So Leaf fans sure as hell know how to forget. Right. <laughs> comebacks on their side, like sure. This this kind of equated was equated to that for me. Like 
it, it was uh, obviously no one ex- like I, I don't expect the Sens to to win most nights right now. All you know, if they can, yeah, I was more least- irritated they were two one up on us in the three games we had played so far <laughs> than the way we had lost. Sorry, and and you know what? Like if if this finishes out with the Sens being. Uh, uh, so if they split the series with the Leafs, that's a win for Sens fans sure because this should not have happened. That's right. And I get there's two parts to the victory, right? There's the massive comeback, uh, biggest comeback in Sens history. Pro- I would think you can make a case that this is one of the greatest regular season games in Sens history. Right. Um, against a, a division rival, yep. against the Leafs, a longtime rival. Mm-hmm. And then there's what it did to the fan base. Yes. That's the other victory here because That's since, what I'm if saying. fans love nothing else, it's <sighs> watching Leaf fans let themselves on fire right. for the smallest of – like, let's be honest. This team, the Leafs are going to make the playoffs. Yep. Who you know? I'm not going to say speculate on what's going to happen when they get there, but they are expected to go deep into the playoffs this year. They are one of the contenders in this league. Mm-hmm. They shouldn't, from a fan standpoint, from a media standpoint, you should not be bothered by. Listen, you're you're going to have crap games in in a normally an 82 game season, but in a 56 game season, you're going to have a handful of games where you just do not show up. Yeah. It's going to happen. This was one of those nights, at least in the latter half of the game, right? Like. Okay, call it what it was, a stinker, and move on. Well, but and, they imploded. They absolutely, well, and so did the fan base. And yeah. everybody did. You're right. It was a collapse, and they deserve to be criticized, and they should, you know, we have to have a, a step back, larger conversation about this. Why do they keep, Does is, is there something about the way the teams are constructed and the way Ottawa plays that messes with Toronto? Or does Toronto just regularly play down? to Ottawa and think it's going to be an easier because for the first half of the game, they weren't playing down, right? It's five one. As I've heard a time or two, it was five one. Um, why does this keep happening? Why was the next night close? Why were both games in Ottawa uh, at the beginning of the season close? Like why don't the Leafs blow out this team? So I think we can have that conversation to me. It's reasonable to wonder why this team that has, you know, plans on going deep can't just once in a while kick the shit out of the 31st place team. That's a worthwhile discussion. The stuff that was being compared to, though, was just because especially when you look at like the the giveaway at the end of the second, to me, I didn't really blink. Like, it's annoying. To me, that was like one of those oh, fucking Leafs, right? Like just something <laughs> stupid that happens. The 5-3 goal, which I believe was Zub stepping out of the box, that's when it got my attention like oh shit right like this is a game like they're back in this they look like they're energized and we're just kind of skating around doing nothing but there's weird things like that ha- like i never felt and and correct me if you felt differently i never felt like until maybe the last minute when they pulled the goalie that we were being swarmed like we stopped pressuring ottawa but I never felt like we were getting dummied for the whole third period and you guys had all the pressure and all the, and the stats kind of back that up. Ottawa was just opportunistic and then you have that play stepping out of the box and, and you get a breakaway there and you're like, all right, like, whereas sometimes these collapses are just, you know, you're hemmed in your own end the entire goddamn period and you get outshot 22 to six or something stupid in a period. You know what I'm saying? Like, it just didn't yeah. feel that way. Yeah, it was... <sighs> I hate to label it like there's always the question of was this a, a collapse or was it a comeback? Right. And it was definitely more of a collapse than a comeback, but the Sens didn't go away. No. And that, and, but the Leafs played like they expected them to. Right. And that was the problem. The Sens, the Sens kept playing, I would argue, like the same effort level that they probably did for the whole 60 minutes. Yep. It's just the Leafs stopped trying to defend. Yeah, and Ottawa capitalized and on the chances <laughs> that they were given and full exactly. value for it. Like I said, I got no beef with Ottawa fans loving every second of that. That, I just couldn't get as fired up as look. I've I've I texted our buddy Matty there, who, who normally gets tagged to come on and do the late night kind of out of nowhere shows when something really bad happens. The rage pods we call them. Huh. I've had them. Like, and I texted Matty the next morning. I'm like, you know how this, you know how I know this wasn't as bad of a loss as I as a lot of people think it was. It never even crossed my mind that we should rage pod last night. <laughs> so, uh, you know. I just, I couldn't get that fired up about it. And that's why, like I said, I think the start to the second game was as concerning to me 
as the first game was? Was it just like, man, this is flat. Like, why does this keep happening against this opponent? That that's the thing. And and we had talked about this at the beginning of the season, but like, what is a, what is an ideal kind of matchup look like for these two teams this year? And, and because of parody, you know, would, would the Leafs actually run away with, right. with the season series or would it be more even? And I think that like, given the fact that, the the Sens have kept taking a step forward and the Leafs just catch up mm-hmm. every game, right? First game, Sens won, then the Leafs evened it out. Third third game, the epic comeback, and then the Leafs evened it out. Like that that is the more concerning thing. Like you said, it's not that, that you you got that you collapsed and lost a game to the Ottawa Senators. It's that you might actually split a season series right. or worse, the Sens might end up winning sure. a season series against you and that should make Leaf fans concerned because that that's a trend yeah right it's it a is. consistent trend now does that matter in the playoffs probably not the Suns aren't going to be there to do anything about it but I think that if, if Leaf fans are going to get mad at anything it should be that not the game itself it was a stinker of a game that this literally happens sometimes where you just let a game absolutely go it was in epic fashion I feel like everything that Everything that happens to the Toronto Maple Leafs is exaggerated for a couple of reasons. Yes. One, the market is just so big and therefore the media that covers it is so big. So every little the reactions thing reactions are so big. Exactly. Yes. But then you get situations that are just so unbelievably mm-hmm. unprobable, like the David Ayers situation, yep. right? They lost an actual NHL hockey game to a 42 year old goaltender who works for the team. <laughs> but like, like there are certain situations where you go only that would happen yeah. to the Leafs. Right. Well, and I, I have and I muttered that agree. so many times. Like, why yeah. can't we just lose? Why can't <laughs> we just lose four two on a Tuesday night to Buffalo or whoever it's going to be? Why does it have to be a show? Why does it have to be spectacular in some way or another? There's always going to be something weird, right? Something over the top about it. Instead of other teams just lose games. Like it happens and you go, oh, that sucks. And you show up to the next one. We have spectacular. Hey, everybody, look at what just happened. Losses. And I think it feeds b- both sides of that cycle feed one another, yep. right? Like, yes, these crazy things that wouldn't happen to any other team happen <laughs> to the Leafs. Yeah. And then because that happens, yes. those really insignificant losses that happen to every team are that much more exaggerated because they're like, well, here we yeah, friggin' start, go again. That's right. And you start relating them back to, like you just said, this Monday night's game is the David Ayers game or it's Boston 2013. That Boston game, when I talk about feeling like you were under siege, that's the definition of being under siege. Was that entire last 12 minutes of that third period plus overtime, they killed us. And we were lucky that we made it to overtime, quite frankly. Like, this game didn't have that feeling. There's no comparison, right? Like, it, it was just odd. And like I said, we can have the discussion on why that keeps happening to Toronto and especially against Ottawa. But uh, I just, I think you're so right when you say that they feed into each other, right? Like the fan base gets panicky and maybe that, you know, is there some element on the team that's like, oh boy, like here we go again. Cause they know this has happened to the team in the past and then the tension grows and then Leaf fans are like, it's happening again. And even though it's not the same, like you say, it's kind of this self-fulfilling prophecy almost. Yeah, absolutely. That's a perfect way to describe it. Um, I to to the your point on the Boston game, like that was a Boston comeback. Yes, a little bit of a Leafs collapse, sure. but it was it was sparked by a Boston comeback. Whereas this was sparked by the, the Leafs collapsing. I think and so. The Sens- just taking advantage of it. Cause I, I, I don't think the Sens did all that much to change their game. Well, Sheldon Keefe was giving them no credit either. Right. Like afterwards oh, he just yeah. said everything that they got, we gave them. You're like, fuck. What, like, what was it? He said something like, I've never felt so uncomfortable with a five, two yep. lead that heading exactly into the third. Quote. <laughs> yep. Never felt like, less comfortable with five, two ooh. after 40. Like, damn. Like that is an indictment. Yeah. Of your team, man. man. (laughs) And to make things uh, even better for you, Matt, it looks like tonight, uh, Thursday night, Michael Hutchinson's going to get the start for uh, is that official? I've Luke Fox just tweeted it, and that's 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 legit. I've been wondering all day whether we were going to see it or not. Um, 
whatever. <laughs> like, we'll see. Why not? They signed him to be their fourth stringer. Arendelle gets claimed. Jack Campbell gets hurt. And now you got a back-to-back. Here we are. I got to tell you, I had no beef with them bringing him back to be the backup for the Marlies. Like, as your fourth stringer, like, fine, whatever. But now that we're here, I'm like, and, and you never could have predicted this, but at the same time, there is an element that's just like, why didn't you just cut ties, right? Like, the, there's an emotional scarring here. The team clearly last year had no confidence in him by the time he left. Um, even if you couldn't envision this being likely, I wonder if you're regretting it now that you should assign just another guy. But again, you're the first place Toronto Maple Leafs. You're twive, 12 and 3 or whatever you are against the last place Senators. You need to get a win here. I don't care it's Michael Hutchinson in goal because you know what? He looked fine in Colorado and Colorado's a better team than us, but you better be able to beat Ottawa with that guy in net. I'm sorry. You just, you better. And I think that it's also kind of a message to the Leafs like, hey, step up and do yeah. your part tonight, right? Like you yeah. don't have a, a goaltender to fall back on. Like, and like with all due respect to Michael Hutchison, like we know how much confidence this t- the organization has in him. Yes. It's partly about giving uh Freddie a rest, but also like, I think it sends a message to your team. Like, guess what? You're not alone out there. Nope. But, I, like you got to do this. And I think it's, it does send uh, whether they meant to or not. I think it probably tells us Campbell is not as close as we no. want him to be. Um, because I think they have another back-to-back next week. I could be wrong about that. But, you know, if it was a matter of, you know, maybe Campbell could start a game next week, maybe they ask Freddie to do this. Because while Freddie didn't help us much on Monday in the the collapse, I thought he was very good on Wednesday. Um, it wouldn't That's have shocked the one me. Thing. Go ahead, sorry. The- the Sens have been very surprising this year in the fact that, like, okay, they're they're not exactly an offensive powerhouse, but they are consistently getting 30-plus shots yep. a night. Yep, I think true. they're third overall in shots right now, so they don't make it easy for teams. And Freddie had to be good, yeah. which for was, was pretty impressive for me on, on like – a lot of their chances, like you see Tim Stutzler doing this a lot. He's very flashy recent, recently anyway. He's, yep. he's so fun to watch and very flashy, but you know he doesn't finish. He's still got to learn that part of the game, I think. Mm-hmm. But he'll still get a puck on net. Yep. It might not be the most dangerous scoring chance, but he'll get it on net. Yeah, he forces and- you to make a play on it. Exactly. And as soon as he figures out how to make that more dangerous, like this is going to be a much more dangerous team. But I, I think that the, the sheer fact that Freddie had to be good and that you can't get away with mediocre goaltending necessarily nope. against this team, I think is is promising. I mean, I know they're sitting at We're about nine to try. Oh, yeah, good luck. <laughs> We're going to try getting away with mediocre goaltending. So. Before we wrap Not up, just I hot, do... Hey, Rusty Hutch. A Hutch who hasn't oh. played a game since September. This is going to be hold on to your ass kind of a night I think oh, sit this insert the uh the Brady Kachuk like gif in there <laughs> oh, all right I'm gonna ask you before we wrap up I'm gonna ask you the most Toronto media question because mm. right now this this the Toronto Maple Leafs sit at 26 points on the season 12 three and two for first place in the Scotia North Division yeah they are ahead of Montreal by six points. They have a very nice cushion on the first place lead. Mm-hmm. But it feels like, based on the media coverage and the fan reaction in the last week, you've got a team on the brink of collapse somehow. Mm-hmm. Is there a point, Matt, at, in, at which in this season you start to worry at all, not about them making the playoffs, because they're going to make the playoffs. Yeah, There's yeah. no question about that. Do you start to worry about what you're seeing in some of these games where you go, this end is not going to fly in the playoffs. Oh, sure. Monday night. Like I said, I, I, I'm not trying to sit here and say no one should care that they lost, right? Like, though, as you said, that was more of a collapse than a Senator's comeback. And if you can't hold a 5-1 lead to the 31st place team, you're probably not going to be able to finish out that kind of 3-2 game against whoever, Montreal, or if you get to the conference final and get somebody better, you know, a Boston or a Tampa or whoever it might be. That's worth concern. Um, I do have some concern over Freddie this year. He's kind of been up and down. Um, and I just don't think anyone expects them to hold this 12 and three pace for an entire season. So what is it that's going to be what, that it's going to slow them down, right? Is it other teams kind of getting better and, and learning to play them better? 
Are they going to get complacent, which has happened a bunch of times in the past? They've, they've kind of been locked into that third spot by Christmas. And so they just kind of coast to the end of the season and then can't fire it up. There's, there's reason, uh, there are things out there. Do, does, does Willie get it going again? Um, Tavares has been way better defensively than in previous years. And honestly, he's still getting chances and I, they always say, right, you got to have a couple of good games before you finally break your slump kind of thing. I thought he was very good on Wednesday. I don't know. Like there's, I don't know what it would be specifically that, uh, that would confirm. I'm a little concerned about the third line having a lack of identity. You're, it's going to need to be something. I'm not convinced that maybe by the end of the season, that's not Joe. Uh, maybe like Thornton, Robertson and Mikheyev or something like that. Um, I, I don't know exactly what it would be, but I do think there is, there are things to watch as you go. And, and if they have too many more games and I don't expect God help us, they're going to blow many more five, one third period or five, two third period leads as we go. But if they can't hold leads, I think, you know, maybe would be the biggest, I think the defense has been way better this year in general. Um, but still prone to those kind of whatever you want to call them, mental mistakes, that would probably be the biggest thing is just, can they lock games down in the third period? Yeah, I think that's that's just it. I'll, I'll give some reassurance, I guess, Ooh. to Leafs fans, and this is not going to feel good for me. So take <laughs> appreciate my words of wisdom here. But remember when in the, I think it was like late 2000s, early 2010s, when the Washington Capitals were consistently Mm-hmm. One of the best regular season teams, like President's Trophy winner almost every year, it felt like. Yeah. And they just couldn't get it done in the playoffs. They could not get past the Pittsburgh Penguins mostly. But like it, no matter what, there was always sure. a team. The Rangers, was, yeah. The, the Canadians, yep. like everything. I remember they used to play games exactly like the one we saw on Monday night, not necessarily from a collapsing standpoint, yeah. but from a high scoring standpoint, right? Every game that they played the Sens even was like six, five, seven, six, seven, four, six, three. Like it was always really high scoring affairs because as much as they could put the puck in, in the back of the net, they couldn't control it on their side. Right. And, and they would have just absolute defensive breakdowns that ultimately resulted in them not being able to go far in the playoffs. And then what happened? Eventually, they figured their stuff out. Yes. And they won the Stanley Cup in 2018. And I know that took a number of years, but sure. I, my point is, I feel like when you get a team together of this many high-powered uh, forwards who are this talented, it takes time to figure out how to win long-term and how to win consistently enough to get through the playoffs. And I think this is the Leafs figuring that out. They've proven that they're a great regular season team. I know we still have a whole bunch of regular season to go, <laughs> but they've made the playoffs consistently for the last three, three or four years. Yeah, four. Four uh, years. I, I guess so, technically last year they didn't, right? Like you lost in that play. Okay, in yeah, yeah. I, whatever you want to call that, but yeah, it's, they got to the play-in round anyway, sure. and and they they have proven that they can be a decent regular season team at least enough to get into the playoffs. Now they've got to figure out how to win the playoffs, and that just takes time. But we've seen. My point is, we've seen teams go through this exact same thing. Tampa Bay Lightning, not much different. Yep. Right. Every year, great regular season St. team. St. Louis for years. St. Louis. Couldn't get it done in the playoffs. Right. And, and sometimes sometimes you have a San Jose situation yep. where they just never figure it out and that core goes I away. I don't like to think about that one. No. <laughs> you know what? Go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say there, there's someone on the Leafs who might have some experience nah, with nah, the San Jose situation, but it, same with the Ottawa Center <laughs> situation, so I really can't judge. But my, my point is they they there is a path through which they can figure this out. It's just it might take time. Uh, the, the final thing I want to say on it, because it's just come back to me and it, I just howled with laughter. I'm sorry, but, uh, they said that, um, both the, uh, well, there was a tweet, David Boland, uh, tweeted out, um, There's a name I haven't heard in a while. Yeah. Leafs choke again. I'm paraphrasing. I don't have it like Leafs choke again, proving that they are not a contender. Can't even hold a five, one lead. Someone posts the game score from the 2009, 10 season where the Chicago Blackhawks blew a five, one lead and went on to win the Stanley Cup. So you're just kind of like, come on, buddy. Like, keep it in... You don't even remember that this exact same thing happened to you in a year that you won. Uh, Also, Washington, 
won, blew a 5-1 lead in the year they won the uh, Stanley Cup. So I'm not saying the Leafs are winning the Cup. I'm saying it's probably not Armageddon. Exactly. <laughs> it this is again. This is the thing with the Leafs. It's it is this the pendulum swings in both directions. Yeah. It is either this team is going to win the cup or this team is absolute crap and should trade everybody. There is no in between. And that's why we love Toronto Maple Leafs fandom. I was going to say Toronto Maple Leafs Twitter, but I think it's it's everything. I was Media, going to fans, interrupt you Twitter. and I was so smart. I was so happy that I had the restraint to bite my tongue because I'm going to be able to save that. That's why we love Toronto. That's why we love the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs. I do love like. Toronto for what it's worth. I, I lived in Toronto. Like the city itself is one of my favorite cities sure. on the planet. Yep. I love Toronto. But you don't I don't you care for nice their hockey team. to add the Maple Leafs to the end and I will be able to <sighs> do some good stuff for that in the future. I should also say one last thing. I know you're trying to wrap us up, but just quickly, next week, Wednesday morning, Matt Nichols, quarterback for the Ottawa Red Blacks, will be on the podcast. Uh, he will be joining us. That's going to be a lot of fun. Really looking forward to talking to him. So CFL fans, I know a bunch of you jumped on board a week or two ago when Paul Lapelise was here. Stick around. Matt Nichols is going to be here next Wednesday. I cannot wait to find out what beer he will be drinking, Matt. So pumped. I'm very curious. So pumped. So pumped. Awesome. Uh, all right. Let's wrap this up. A, a, a reminder, if you want to get set for uh, baseball season and the Toronto Blue Jays season, check out episode 791, the previous episode to this one with Arden Zwelling. Uh, and as always, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all at Tall Can Audio. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Shrides, S-C-H-R-E-I-D-S. We will see you next time on Talkin Audio. Peace. Did you see that? Yep. There's an hour you're never getting back. I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, I'd like to take this chance to apologize to absolutely nobody. The double champ does what the f*** he wants. Okay. I'm going to call that a wrap. You can find tons more TCA at tallcanaudio.com. But I'm